VoiceAmericaVariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Save our wildlife, save the environment, save our world. It all starts with a little knowledge. Welcome to Our Wild World with L.A. Weiss. There is so much that's being done and can be done with help from specialists and marginalized community groups to you. We'll discuss the future of Africa, the wildlife, and the people, and show you how it affects the entire planet. Now, here is Ellie Weiss from the Wild Eyes Foundation. Welcome to our wild world. I don't know if you've been listening to the news, but so many things are happening right now. Those of us who are deeply concerned with how our wildlife and policies will be affecting us, I hope you're staying tuned to the news. Okay, you won't find this news on your nightly television excursion. This is the news that you'll find in the pages of the world section of your newspaper online, and actually a few times this past week on the front pages of the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal. Whether you're aware of it or not, daily or not, things you won't see listed on the S&P 500 or the Dow, but are nonetheless critically important, the trades and dirty deals going on in which the resulting decisions that are and will be made will significantly affect our wildlife and our planet for the next five years and unimaginably beyond. Decisions that will, in effect, choose life or death. Whoops, I just lost my notes. I am so sorry. Decisions that will choose life or death. For many of our species, such as the elephant, rhino, shark, and polar bears, you may wonder what this has to do with you. We are the ancestors of our future. We are setting the table for our children, what they will and will not have as a part of this world. I'm going to take you to the biggest news right now in wildlife conservation um, that is hitting the world stage everywhere, which is the CITES meeting in Bangkok. This meeting is held every three years, and uh, this year is being um, hosted by Thailand. And this meeting will well decide the future for our elephants and rhinos around the world. The U.S. Wildlife Services are under fire for unethical killing of our wildlife, both endangered and non-targeted species. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service is working hard to keep up with the Environmental Protection Act and government policies, and we are facing global biodiversity tipping points everywhere we look. Our policies and politics and our everyday choices do make a difference, both here at home and around the world. Despite all this, there is hope, and it's right beneath our feet. We just need to focus by each of us taking some small actions in our everyday lives to protect the future that our ancestors left to us and which we will leave to our children. Earth is 4.6 billion years old. If we scale that down to a time frame of 46 years, humans have been here for four hours. The Industrial Revolution began one minute ago. 
And in about six seconds of that time, we have gone about devastating our wild world with the loss of over two-thirds of the world's elephant population and several other endangered species that are also threatened. Now let's add in the impact we've had on climate, which is about three seconds of those 46 years, and let's do the math. We don't have much time left if we do nothing, but we can do something. In the blink of an eye, each of us can share a thought, donate, and talk to a friend and work in our community to make better choices. We can turn this around. Yes, we'll face some hard times ahead. Extinctions of some of our glorious megafauna and those other species that our global global ecosystem depends upon, but we do not have to lose it all. Make up our minds, folks. It's our choice. Even in doing nothing, you have made a choice. So why not take a second of your time to make a good choice, a thoughtful choice, and one that works for the world, which in the end works for us and all we share this earth with. A couple of weeks ago, we uh, had two episodes called The Elephant in the Room, a film that Wild Eyes made possible to create, and it was screened at CITES this past convention, um, screened by Save the Elephants with Ian Douglas Hamilton and the KWS Interpol organizations. It's being shared with delegates to China and Asia through the convention and uh, the societies under UNEP, United Nations Education Program, and you'll find it on Facebook at Wild Eyes and Twitter, and most of all, I'd like you to share it. So go to our website, www.wildeyes.org, and you'll see a little scroll with some images at the bottom, and click on the one with the ivory tusks, and you'll learn more about this project, The Elephant in the Room, and you'll be able to see the film itself. Uh, It's just being launched globally now, and we would love for you to share it, tweet it, uh, send it to your friends, put it on your website, and get it around. It will make a difference. The Elephant in the Room, a fabulous short two-minute video that highlights the uh, remembrance and a gentle reminder of where ivory comes from. In the end, if we don't buy it, they'll stop dying. We still need to raise funding for this film to get it into theaters across the U.S. and internationally as a public service announcement and have it go international. Your tax donation is deductible and will help save the future of elephants. Donate now. You can do that through our website at www.wildeyes.org or join our blog and our news and join the discussions on LinkedIn and Twitter. You can make a difference for today, tomorrow, and our future. These uh, irreplaceable species that we often don't think about in our day-to-day lives, uh, but nonetheless are critical to the future of our wild world. We're now in the process of finishing the making of The Elephant in the Room, a short 10-minute film that uh, will highlight the adventure that we talked about with Travis and Vladimir, the uh, writer and the director of the film, on our episode Elephant in the Room Part 2, and we'll have that launched shortly, so stay tuned to our website and to our wild world. Um, I hope you would listen again to our previous episodes, both Elephant in the Room and Elephant in the Room Part 2 that aired on February 4th and February 11th with background information about the plight of elephants and the uh, uh, episode with the production crew making the film. So now you can go watch the film at our website. We want this gentle reminder that if we stop buying ivory, the killing of elephants to supply the demand will stop 
also. It is in CITES and our hands, each and every one of us, to change the future. So that brings us back to CITES, the CEO 16, in the, which is the uh, 16th meeting of the Convention on International Trade of Endangered Species in Bangkok, Thailand. There was some exciting news on the first couple of days. That meeting is still going on. It started March 3rd and uh, will be wrapping up this week. Uh, the exciting news at the beginning was that Prime Minister Yungluk Shinawatra, if I've pronounced that correctly, pledged that Thailand would end ivory trade in the country of Thailand. This is the first time the Thai government has said this publicly. But we, now we need to see this promise put into action. CITES, the Convention of International Trade on Endangered Species of Flora and Fauna, and the operative word here is trade. They make decisions of what species will be traded for profit. They are a business and work for other businesses in the traffic of wildlife. So we have a little difficulty here, um, that which is the legal trade of wildlife versus the illegal trafficking of wildlife for their parts, which is uh, the iron. Uh, excuse me, ivory trade and the trade in rhino horn. South Africa and Swaziland, a small landlocked country within South Africa, are the only two countries that legally trade and hunt rhino horn. CITES has the ability to make a decision and stop this. Who attends the CITES meetings? You may be wondering. Part- participants to the meetings of the conference are parties that are primarily delegates from national governments representing the states that are contracting parties, that means member countries, to CITES. Most often, they come from ministries and departments that are responsible for environmental and na- nature protection, wildlife, forestry, national parks, agri culture, customs, foreign affairs, etc. CITES COP meetings also attract many representatives from the international and national conservation organizations as well as the media. CITES and its member nations, of which there are 178, has the ability to ban the ivory trade, ban the trade in rhino horn, and save our endangered species. An appeal letter which circulated the meeting the first week end of the uh, the start was uh, first tweeted and uh, sent out by Brian Christie of National Geographic, an investigative journalist, and the letter was from Robert Hepworth of the David Shepherd Wildlife Foundation and the former chair of the CITES Standing Committee on Elephants and Ivory Trade, and uh, this letter has now gone viral through the web. You can find it on uh, our Facebook page, Wild Eyes at Facebook, and you can find it on Twitter. I'd like to read you this letter that uh, went out, which is very important. Robert Hepworth, I'll give you a little background, is the head of the UK delegation to CITES uh, from COP10 and COP11. Those were the years in the meetings. The chair of the CITES Standing Committee from 1997 to 2000 and the executive secretary of the UN Convention on Migratory Species from 2004 to 2009. He wrote this letter and circulated it on March 7th of 2013. And it starts out with the uh, header, an appeal from former chair of CITES Standing Committee on Elephants and Ivory Trade. Dear Delegate, and I quote this letter in its uh, completion. 
I write to you to express my deep concern about the crisis facing elephants and the discussions and negotiations in Bangkok at the 16th meeting of the Conference of Parties to CITES. As one of the original negotiators of the Harari Compromise in 1997 and chair of the CITES Standing Committee, which implemented controlled ivory sales in 1999, I believe that we have given a legal ivory trade regime every opportunity to prove its value to conservation for more than 20 years. It has manifestly failed. Many thousands of elephants, as well as wildlife wardens and guards, have paid for that experiment with their lives. When I was helping to implement the CMS agreement on West African forest elephants in 2005 through 9, it was already becoming clear that ivory trade and wildlife conservation are incompatible. Now is the time to say enough is enough and decide to implement an urgent, indefinite, and comprehensive ban on ivory trade, including domestic markets. No one needs ivory products, but we all need to save elephants and their habitats from extinction and the plague of poaching. Moreover, attention and energy must be diverted away from any discussions concerning a decision-making mechanism for a process of trade in ivory and focused on the formidable fight ahead to stop the needless killing. Any discussions in Bangkok or in the Standing Committee following the COP16 concerning the development of a decision-making mechanism sends the wrong signal to speculators and the black market for elephant ivory. It stimulates demand and risks accelerating the demise of elephants and ultimately their extinction in the wild, or at least in many range states within the foreseeable future. Yours sincerely, R.G. Hepworth. Now, I hope you listen to that, and if you need to read it again, you visit our uh, website, wildeyes.org, or go to our Facebook page, Wild Eyes, and uh, it's also on Twitter. This is a very important letter. Uh, this is from the previous chairman of the Standing Committee, who was involved in the uh, last three decisions by CITES at the last three meetings to do one-off sales of cached ivory uh, in those countries that still have legal uh, elephant hunting and have collected ivory from poached and natural deaths. These countries are Tanzania, Zambia, Zimbabwe, Namibia, Botswana, South Africa, and Swaziland. These countries, you can be sure, were in high attendance at the CITES meetings to put pressure on the delegates to be able to sell this cash ivory. Six years ago, excuse me, nine years ago, uh, I'm sorry, in 1997, CITES put a ban on trade of all ivory. That means all the member nations said no, they would not sell ivory domestically or internationally. That put a lot of countries, those that I named, into a precarious position of having a lot of ivory stockpiled. Kenya was the only country to take that stockpile in the 1970s and burn it, publicly burn it and in a media uh, presentation uh, with Richard Leakey, the then head of the Kenya Wildlife Service. Kenya burned their ivory stockpiles again in 2011. This was an important statement. But nonetheless, Kenya is one of the biggest loopholes for the illegal trade and 
trade routes and trafficking routes of ivory coming through the continent. Tanzania right now is losing between 100, uh, between 67 and 100 elephants averaging out a week. That's just Tanzania. Over the last year, we've lost 16,000 elephants. That number is astounding. It's astonishing. Elephants simply cannot reproduce at this rate. They can, it's not a viable population to be able to reproduce and keep their numbers going, especially if CITES does not implement a ban on ivory killing. And since, uh, 1997, when, uh, regarding the, uh, Harari compromise that Mr. Hepworth was talking about, CITES allowed a one-off sale of all the ivory caches to East Asia. Southeast Asia. So what did that signal send? What did that message say? It said, we have ivory and we're willing to sell it. So when the ban was in place, elephant poaching and killing, the illegal killing stopped. Of course, there are always natural deaths and uh, in South uh, West Africa and South Africa in order to manage populations of elephants because they are... Uh, so big and requires so much space and requires so much food and that there's little land between the corridors and the parks to hold them, they implement a practice called culling, which really is just killing. So they'll go in and they'll... um Humanely, if you want to say, but nonetheless, you, you won't find many people who have done these cullings willing to talk about it, kill off 50 to 100 elephants at a time. It used to be that they would take the babies that they wouldn't kill, um, who would be standing by their dead parents, and uh, use these animals for the international trade to zoos and zoological societies, and uh, you wonder why, and circuses, and you wonder why you hear stories of rampaging juvenile elephants. Well, what they've learned and what they remember is the violence. Elephants are incredibly intelligent. They have a social system and emotional lives very similar to ours. Whether we understand their communications or understand their emotions is almost irrelevant. The point is, is they do have highly complex social systems. They mourn their dead. They care for their families. They are a long-lived species living up to 70 years, and they communicate over 50,000 miles. We don't even fully understand the elephant's social system and structure and their communications. Uh, there are some interesting books, one by Katie Payne called The Silence of Thunder, in which she uh, began to understand that elephants communicate through infrasound. And then there's Joyce Poole, who has named 25 generations of elephants in Ambicelli's National Park in Kenya. And there's our uh, 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 our researcher Barbara McKnight, who works in Savo, Kenya, and uh, has named just about every elephant, and she could probably tell you the name of the elephant that's in our film. So we have uh, a break, and I'll be coming right back to talk to you more about how important CITES is to the future of our wildlife. Stay tuned. <music> The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Wildlife. No wild, no life. Big. Scary. Beautiful. 
predators are in danger. Without them, our rivers dry up, our forests don't grow, our communities go hungry, our biodiversity crumbles. Wildlife drives our planet's ecosystems. The wild effect, it's in our hands. Ellie founded Wild Eyes Foundation because she loves Africa and to remind us that there are more harmonious and less destructive ways to live on our planet. She does this so we may be able to look inside ourselves and understand the deeper partnerships that connect us all and to take responsibility for our lives and our Earth. Africa is one of our last remaining wild places and the origins of humanity. It is irreplaceable. Africa is at a crossroads, on the brink of possibilities. We can choose to let its wildlife be lost forever, or we can help save it. In Africa, it is still possible to make a difference. Visit us at www.wildeyes.org to learn how you can make a difference. We only have one Earth. If we don't care, who will? W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to Ellie Weiss and Our Wild World. We want to hear from you. Call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd rather send us an email, please send it to wildeyes at wildeyes.org. That's W-I-L-D-I-Z-E at W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Now, back to our wild world. Welcome back to Our Wild World, and we're talking right now about the big meeting that's going on in Bangkok, Thailand, with CITES, the Convention of International Trade on Endangered Species, operative word being trade. And uh, you can search uh, online, uh, read the papers, and you'll find many interesting commentaries and editorials going on, uh, such as the letter I just read you from uh, Robert uh, Hepworth, of uh, the David Shepherd Wildlife Foundation, who was the former chair of the CITES Standing Committee on Elephants and Ivory Trade. You can find that letter on our Facebook page and uh, on Twitter. It was first uh, leaked or disseminated throughout the web from the CITES meeting by Brian Christie, a National Geographic investigative journalist. Do a keyword search for CITES, C-I-T-E-S, and news, and delegates, and you'll see what's going on. This is big stuff, folks. This is deciding the world for our wildlife species and the future for the next five years and beyond. So I'd like to read from you now um, some quotes and uh, some of this news that I've been doing and researching um, and so that you can follow up on it yourself. Uh, from uh, Peter Catt, who is the uh, founder and director of LionAid, which is one of uh, the better organizations out there that is focused on con- conservation of lions. He's put out some interesting um, videos and a lot of fabulous facts that you can learn about what's going on with the African lion. He is a truly an advocate uh, advocate of the African lion, which is threatened. We've talked about that on some of our previous shows. Fifty years ago, there were 450,000 African lions uh, in their wild range states, and today there are less than 23,000. 
CITES has the ability to list, delist, and keep and, and ban trade in these threatened and endangered species. So if you go to lionaid.org, you can find Peter Katz's blog, and I'm going to read you, and I quote from uh, some of his writings. The compromise CITES proposed is this. It boggles the mind what is happening at the CITES meeting in Bangkok. It is all smoke and mirrors to be able to continue just as before. The big discussions on rhinos and elephants have yet to take place, but already they have said science is not important, transparency is not important, and every issue on the table can be delayed and obfuscated until the cows come home. And cows are exactly what we will have left in the future instead of our disappearing wildlife heritage. Instead of uplisting the polar bear, let's delay action until we can have polar bear population counts and an assessment of commercial offtake versus conservation needs. This is sounding very familiar. Kenya proposed uplisting the African lion to Appendix 1 in 2004. The proposal was watered down by CITES. Instead, let's have regional meetings and some sort of population assessment. Kenya agreed and meetings took place and nine years later we are still no further in terms of an organized lion conservation program but we have lost a lot more lions. It will be the same with polar bears and it will be the same with elephants and rhinos. He continues, how many meetings, conferences, discussions, and diversions do we need to finally agree that several species are in sharp decline, will decline further due to climate change in the future? These committees are quite powerful and should not be populated by people with vested interests. But one glaring housekeeping issue that society still has to deal with is on, is not on the agenda. This is the dubious legal trade. Uh, legal trading that goes on in plain sight, something CITES would rather hide under the carpet as it reflects right back on the organization itself. He further goes on to state some history that at the start of the conference, Secretary General John Scanlon mentioned the following, quote, criminal activity can pose a serious threat. It also robs countries of their natural resources and cultural heritage, and it undermines good governance and the rule of law. These criminals must be stopped, and we need to better deploy the sorts of techniques used to combat illicit trade in narcotics to do so. Undermining good governance can be placed at the CITES door as well. John Sands, CITES Secretary General in 1980, mentioned a process whereby fraudulent CITES permits were facilitating illegal trade. In 2003, the Earth Journal had this to say, Environmentalists have had a long-running battle with CITES Secretariat over the administrative practices of the treaty organization. For 20 years, according to many critics, the CITES staff have favored commercial exploitation of wildlife over protection. Instead of objectively weighing science and assessing enforcement efforts, the 12-member Secretariat has repeatedly argued against the precautionary principle and ignored flagrant violations of Appendix 1 and Appendix 2 regulations. Those, for your, uh, our listeners who may not be, uh, may not know what those are, Appendix 1 and Appendix 2 are the threatened and endangered listed species, uh, also in line with the Endangered Species Act. Uh, 
The Secretariat goes on to say, During the 1980s, the Secretariat vehemently opposed banning the ivory trade. Despite a poaching crisis that left 100,000 carcasses strewn across the African landscape each year in the utter failure of a hopelessly weak CITES ivory monitoring system. At the 1989 CITES meeting in Switzerland, CITES Secretary General Eugene Lapointe lobbied fiercely against the proposed Appendix 1 listing for the African elephant. Asian elephants were already totally protected. He even held press conferences during the meeting to subvert the proposal. Lapointe touched off outrage in leading conservation nations. An inquiry by the United Nations Environment Program, UNEP, led to Lapointe's removal on grounds of malfeasance. A UNEP investigation in 1998 found significant malfeasance throughout the CITES staff, including the sale of export permits. Several top staffers were fired and the Secretary General was forced to retire. But UNEP has withheld the damning report from the Standing Committee of CITES, which oversees the Secretariat as well as the public. CITES permits are issued by quote-unquote authorities in individual nations, and as you will see, some strange practices remain evident. Once again, you can find, uh, I'm referring to Peter Katz's blog on LionAid at lionaid.org. I'll continue reading some of his astute uh, uh, assessments. For example, some of these strange practices that CITES allows to continue on. In a deposition to the EU, that's European Parliament, workshop on wildlife crime, uh, Wilday provided the following statistics. From 2005 to 2008, Denmark imported an average of about six elephant trophies annually. But then in 2009, this rose to 118, and in 2010, 88 were imported. Most came from Zimbabwe. We do not believe that a small country like Denmark would have such a tremendous surge in elephant trophy hunters and a purpose and, and propose that tusks were imported via dubious means with all correct CITES paperwork. From 2005 to 2009, Qatar imported no elephant trophies, but then in 2010, 185 trophies were imported, virtually all from Zimbabwe. We again do not believe that Qatar could have had such a tremendous surge in elephant hunters and proposed that the tusks were imported via dubious means with all the correct CITES paperwork. Number three, for many years, CITES authorities allowed the export of trophy rhino horns from South Africa to Vietnam in large numbers, knowing full well that this was a loophole. In 2012, CITES requested the Vietnamese authorities to check on the status of these trophy horns that are not allowed to be entered into commercial trade. Forty horns of trophy hunters, forty homes, excuse me, of trophy hunters were visited. Eleven hunters were not at home. Twenty-two admitted they had lost the horns, cut them into pieces, given them to relatives. Only seven still had the horns intact. Despite 83% evidence that CITES regulations had been trounced, the CITES Secretariat praised Vietnam for their efforts and took no action. Fourth point, South Africa has exported 187 live rhinos to China with CITES permits from 2006 to 2011. Sent to dubious destinations, CITES has not checked on the whereabouts or current existence of these rhinos. 
Also, as a little side note here, not included in this particular blog, Vietnam has, with these live rhinos that they imported and were allowed to import by CITES, has started a live rhino horn factory. What they do is uh, they have created a piece of equipment that continually shaves off the rhino horn as it grows, keeping the rhinos alive. I'm sorry, but visions of pig farming and uh, concentrated food lots come to my mind. Uh, and they are selling this and using it as um, research for science. But uh, what they want to do and what they are applying to CITES to accomplish is to be able to sell this commercially and trade this rhino horn powder on the Chinese market for medicinals. And we and the medicinals are used as something like give you more strength, give you more power, cure your headache. There is no scientific evidence whatsoever that rhino horn has any valuable uh, benefits to us either emotionally or health-wise, psychically, psychiatrically, physiologically, nothing. There is no standing data. So that's kind of scary that China has uh, several live rhino with CITES permission and what they are doing with them, and CITES has not followed up tracking. Okay, to continue with Peter Katz's Lionade blog, point number five. CITES has allowed South Africa to send enormous quantities of lion bones, skeletons, bodies, and quote-unquote trophies to Laos, knowing full well that these were to be used as substitutes for tiger bones in various Chinese traditional medicine products. products. We have said repeatedly that such supplies would stimulate demand and lion poaching. CITES sees no connection. I'm sorry, my little interjection here. No connection. They see no connection between the uh, hunting of lions and the increase of selling lion meat, even in the United States and across Asia. And they see no connection to what these bones are doing and the decrease in the lion populations and the decrease in tiger populations and uh, finding substitutes. Excuse me, does that sound a little fishy to you? Uh, if you're interested in learning more, you can uh, con- call into this show at one eight six six four seven two five seven eight eight, or send me an email at wildize at wildeyes.org. And, uh, or you can check out our Facebook page, Wild Eyes Foundation, on Facebook. And that's links to Ellie Weiss, E-L-I-W-E-I-S-S, on Facebook. And uh, follow some of the uh, connections and conservation conversations about conservation and what's going on at CITES. Uh, You can also follow us on Twitter and uh, join in some of the discussion groups happening on LinkedIn. So to continue, if CITES wants to start wielding a big stick and placing trade sanctions, we would suggest they also look within to cease the issuance of false permits, a process ongoing since 1980 at least. Those false permits are no less of a crime than the illegal wildlife trade, especially since they greatly undermine the transparency and trustworthiness of CITES itself. At the same time, CITES is, CITES is sweeping important issues behind closed doors. Julian Rademeyer's book, Killing for Profit, hit the bookstores and stands with a flourish. Uh, he's also um, been participating, or not participating, but he's been at the uh, Bangkok meetings. And uh, his book, Killing for Profit, is a scathing expose of the illegal trafficking and black market and wildlife trade from ivory to rhino horn to lion bones to 
apes. As a result of Rademeyer's exposing one of the world's biggest wildlife traffickers, follow-up stories have hit the New York Times cover page and Wall Street Journal. This is, as they describe it, this is the Pablo Escobar of wildlife tracking. If you think that the drug cartels are a huge problem in your community and our world, at least we know they exist. But how much are you, my fair listeners, are you aware of the illegal wildlife trade? Rhino horn is worth more than gold, cocaine, or heroin. Between the 16th meeting of CITES and Mr. Rademeyer's book, the light is finally being brightly shown down on the illegal trade and trafficking of wildlife. I strongly urge our listeners to go to our Facebook page to go online and do some searching to learn more. This is a big, big business, and it's affecting us all. It's affecting the species survival that we all depend upon, who are the architects of our Earth's landscape, whether they're in Africa or North America or Europe or in your backyard. Uh, you may not think what's happening in Africa has an effect on us, but it most certainly does. When Africa loses its species, the lion and the elephant, the big five now become the big three. What's going to happen to the tourist economy? What's going to happen to the um, trickle-down effect from all the lodges and the safari companies and the people who want to go see these animals in the wild in their natural rain states? Are you going to go visit Africa? If you can't see an elephant, a rhino, or a lion, that's a pretty big deal. People will begin to um, migrate just like wildlife migrates. And economies will begin to collapse. That will most certainly affect what's happening to us here in the United States, economically and financially. And it will affect the resources we depend upon, the free services that our planet provides for us. Wildlife is... Uh, an incredibly important aspect of our planet. Uh, we need to understand, and there's many books, Trophic Cascades and the interplay of uh, carnivores and apex predators uh, in, in terms of how all these interconnected links uh, work together in the what we call the web of life and our place in it. I've talked before about um, how we need to stop thinking of ourselves as separate from the rest of the world, uh, whether it's religiously or ethically or mor morally. We are a part of this web. We make decisions ever more so now in a human-managed world by making uh, decisions that decide what lives and what dies to our pleasure. That means to our human need and to our benefit, which is not necessarily the best benefit of the planet. Uh, the planet needs these uh, amazing species uh, to help keep everything going, to keep this web of life. We're hearing it in the news everywhere. Uh, climate change is affecting us. Superstorm Sandy, Katrina, the uh, tsunami in, at Christmas 2004 that hit uh, Sri Lanka. Take a look around, people. This is not, uh, it's no longer isolated events. So I urge you to take uh, 
some time and do a little searching and learn about these issues or simply start a conversation with me. You can email me at wildeyes at wildeyes.org or go to our website, wildeyes.org, and join in our news and blog. Sign up for our newsletter. Listen to our previous episodes of Our Wild World here on Voice America Variety Channel. And we keep our supporters informed of conservation news. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, please contact me at wildeyes at wildeyes.org. So now we're going to take another little break and I'll come back with some more information. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Wildlife. No wild, no life. Big, scary, beautiful. Predators are in danger. Without them, our rivers dry up. Our forests don't grow. Our communities go hungry. Our biodiversity crumbles. Wildlife drives our planet's ecosystems. The wild effect. It's in our hands. Ellie founded Wild Eyes Foundation because she loves Africa and to remind us that there are more harmonious and less destructive ways to live on our planet. She does this so we may be able to look inside ourselves and understand the deeper partnerships that connect us all and to take responsibility for our lives and our Earth. Africa is one of our last remaining wild places and the origins of humanity. It is irreplaceable. Africa is at a crossroads, on the brink of possibilities. We can choose to let its wildlife be lost forever, or we can help save it. In Africa, it is still possible to make a difference. Visit us at www.wildeyes.org to learn how you can make a difference. We only have one Earth. If we don't care, who will? W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Ellie Weiss and Our Wild World. We want to hear from you. Call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd rather send us an email, please send it to wildeyes at wildeyes.org. That's W-I-L-D-I-Z-E at W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Now, back to our wild world. And welcome back to our wild world. We've been having some intense discussions, comments, and commentary and editorials from the conservation world about what's been going on at CITES, the Convention on International Trade of Endangered Species. So we finished before the break with um, some interesting information of where we could be ending up for the next five years. So I'd like to take us back to the beginning where I started today. Those of us who are deeply concerned with how our wildlife and policies will be affecting us, I hope you're staying tuned in to the news. You won't find this news on the nightly television. This is news you have to go and search. Do keyword searches for CITES, Conservation, International, Bangkok, Thailand, 
whatever. Do a keyword search and go find out and read for yourself what is at stake. We are all stakeholders in uh, the future of these wildlife species. I sincerely uh, ask you to think for a little while what our world will be like without elephants, rhino, and lions. It will be a very, very different place. Uh, your children will uh, never see these animals in the wild. If we allow the uh, member states and the conventions of these meetings and the delegates with vested interests to continue on the path they are continuing. The uh, CITES meeting is not yet over. You can find several websites, those that are advocates and condone what CITES is doing, and those that are not advocates and uh, will talk to you about what's going on behind the scenes. I strongly urge you to take a moment of your time uh, and check this out. These... Uh, these decisions are going to affect our economy. They're going to affect our, our ecology. They're going to affect our ecosystems for the next five years and unimaginably beyond. This is important happenings right now. So uh, I strongly, strongly urge you to be a part of what's going on and speak up, be heard, make your voice known, share it on Facebook. Uh, start your Twitter discussions. Uh, once again, I mentioned that our little film, The Elephant in the Room, has been launched publicly. We want it to go viral. Uh, go back and listen to our episodes, The Elephant in the Room, Part 1 and Part 2. Uh, Wild Eyes funded this film and made it possible for a fantastic creative idea of uh, the writer, Travis Fulton, to um, bring to life uh, his vision of a reminder of where Ivory comes from. Our little film uh, does not show the horror and uh, atrocity that is going on. So many people are fatigued by this. I call it conservation fatigue. We've all heard of donor fatigue, but we do need your help. And if you watch our little film, it gives the hope that perhaps we can do something and turn the tide for elephants. We don't need ivory. Elephants do. If we can help encourage CITE and the na uh, delegate nations and the member nations to come out from behind closed doors and stop holding secret meetings and make their uh, intentions and plans known to the public, full transparency, because it is our tax dollars. This is a United Nations program. It's held by the U United Nations Environmental Program and CITES, the Convention on International Trade of Endangered Species. Do we want to focus on the profiteering of trade in our endangered species, or do we want to focus on the conservation of our endangered species and all species of wildlife for our Earth for generations to come? So I urge you to go back and listen to some of our previous episodes. All the episodes on Our Wild World, Voice America Variety Channel, have been leading up to enable our listeners and our audience to make better decisions about the world we want to live in. Uh, episodes such as the economics of conservation, things that you can do in your everyday life, how you can make a difference, uh, even though it seems like one person can't do that much. I saw a cute little um uh facebook uh post that said if you think one person can't have an effect 
try spending the night with a mosquito in your bed. One small person can't have an effect. Then try spending the night with a mosquito in your bedroom. Small things, your vote, your voice do have an effect. They do add up. That's how we make a difference. Today, our world is becoming so much more isolated. Um, we're more connected to our computers and our cell phones and uh, our TVs than we are to each other. I strongly urge and have urged all of us to take more time to spend with each other, the human side of things, the earth side of things. Uh, take some time to go out into our wild world. And if you don't like what you see, then take the opportunity you have to change it. Uh, it's an old saying, but a true one. If you're not a part of the solution, then you are part of the problem. So let's all become part of the solution. You can uh, visit wildeyes.org, our website and see many of the projects that we're doing that you your contributions, people like you, help to make happen. Uh, you can donate to our projects, uh, spe- specify your donation to any one of our projects. We have elephant uh, research going on. We have hyena research going on. We work... Um, on species protection, we have lion conservation going on. I mentioned it uh, in a few shows a while ago. Condition taste aversion, which helps take beef off the menu for lions. And uh, just begin to participate in saving our wild world. We have that opportunity. It's going to affect us, and it's our future, not only of our children, but of the world around us. So I'd like to... Uh, have you just do a little exercise with me here for a minute, if you can. If you're driving, of course, don't stop. But if you're at home and you're able to stop for a minute, I would like you to um, try this. I'd like you to take a minute and uh, stop what you're doing and close your eyes and imagine this. The acacia and seas of grass swaying, the sooty smell of earth from the recent rains, and a great river slicing through this seemingly endless landscape. Now see the dust cloud rising as one and a half million wildebeest are on the move. See how many animals this is and the thousands upon thousands of acres of space they need to thrive. Watch them as they cross between their migratory lands, taking their first steps at birth in the Serengeti of Tanzania, then crossing hundreds of miles through a gauntlet of predators into the Maasai Mara of Kenya to graze. Grow and conceive again, surviving the crossing of the watery boundary between two nations on their perpetual journey of life and death. Imagine the red dawn and the lion's roar vibrating and reverberating into your very soul, a sound once heard, never forgotten. Do we really want to lose this millennia-old spectacle of existence? Now open your eyes and help protect our wild world. Join in the conversation. Join in the discussion. Send us an email at www, excuse me, at wildize at wildeyes.org. Join our news and blog. Sign up for our newsletter. Donate. We need your help. We need your help to, um, protect these species through the projects that Wild Eyes has actively going on the ground, which will uh, affect elephant populations, the people who live with elephants, the people who live with rhinos, and the rhino population for the future. The rhino sanctuaries, uh, the elephant uh, migratory corridors, and transnational parks. We do a lot of work and have been for the past 
12 years about wildlife conservation, and it is through people like you, everyday people like you, who want to make a difference that we uh, that support the work that we do, and the work that we do supports the projects on the ground in Africa. So visit our website, wildeyes.org, follow us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. Most of all, stay tuned, stay up on the news. What's happening right now in uh, Bangkok, Thailand is critical. I strongly, strongly urge you, I can't say it enough, to take a few minutes of your precious time and log on and go online and see what's happening at CITES. It's going to define our future, uh, the future of our wildlife and the future of our very lives. If you don't think what's happening in Africa will affect what's happening to us here in the United States, I'm sorry, but you are mistaken. It's going to affect us. It's already um, in terms of resource wars, water, and desertification and deforestation. Our planet is in trouble. It's a scientific backed-up fact. Um, we can no longer close our eyes and bury our head in the sand. We have to do something, and we can each do something from the choices that we make in our daily lives to what we decide to consume, what we buy at the market. Every dollar has a vote, and you are in control of that vote. So choose wisely, buy wisely, consume wisely, and help protect our wild world. If you uh, want to discuss more, please feel free to contact me. If there's somebody out there listening that uh, has something to say that uh, is either contrary or um, feel I should know and wild I should be aware of, please feel free to contact us. Call into the show at one eight six six four seven two five seven eight eight. although we're almost out of time today. Or follow us on uh, Facebook, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, and go to our website at wildeyes.org. I hope I've been able to enlighten some of you and give you some information that you can follow up on today because it is important. I can't stress that enough. So once again, close your eyes. Envision our wild world and all that we have at stake for our future today tomorrow and your children, our children, and the wildlife that is so important to the survival of our planet and our very survival. We depend upon this. So until next week, I would like you to step outside and touch the earth and visit your wild world. Uh, go to a national park. Go for a hike. Uh, go to the zoo. Look at some of these magnificent species and read the um, information cards. Listen to the uh, uh, the zookeepers and the docents and the the exhibits. I mean, I I have a really hard time thinking of animals as exhibits for our entertainment, but nonetheless, they are the ambassadors for the species to exist in the wild. And if you can't make it to Africa, then you can make it to your local zoo. If you don't like the way your local zoo handles things, then lodge a complaint. Speak up, speak out. That's all it takes. We need to hear our voices. So until next week... I wish you uh, a happy week, uh, even though it's been some uh, interesting and sort of uh, harsh information going on. Step out and join us next week for Our Wild World. Thank you. Thank you again for joining us this week. Be sure to tune in next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of Our Wild World with your host, Ellie Weiss. 
on the Voice America Variety Channel. Think about living with wildlife during the coming week and what you can do right now. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 